All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Exit 77, a Notre Dame football podcast. I'm your host, Drew Brennan. This is episode 47, um, giving a wrap to the end of the Notre Dame season here, coming at you live uh, from the Chicagoland area here on Monday, December 12th. So a couple of couple of weeks have passed since that Notre Dame-USC game. Didn't get a chance to get in a uh, kind of a full recap of that game. So we'll cover a little bit off on that tonight, a little bit of a disappointing end of the season. Obviously, I think we're all hoping that the Irish would go out to L.A. and finish off the year with a win. Um, they didn't, so they finished their season at 8-4. and four. Um, so talk a little bit about that. We're going to kind of delve into, you know, what this first year of the Marcus Freeman era has looked like. Um, talk a little bit about some of our MVPs on the team, some guys that we surprised us as it relates to this year. Um, talk a little bit about recruiting and then have a quick look at the bowl game. And joining us is one of our favorite guests, class of 2000 grad, Chris Crater, um, coming to us live from Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, Chris, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, always good to have you back on the pod. Yeah, it's good to be here, Drew. Thanks for having me again. Uh, looking forward to this one. Uh, lots to cover. I think we're probably spent a lot of time talking about FTX and cryptocurrency and Twitter and all those other things, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't need to be talking about Twitter or any of those places that are laying off people because that's my industry. So we don't need to talk about that. But that, that FTX stuff is crazy. That guy is, he just got arrested tonight, right? Yeah, he did. And honestly, like the only thing that drops faster than than I think um, FTX and, and all of that was Caleb Williams in the Utah game. So <laughs> screw that, dude. Yeah, we can talk a little bit about that Utah game. That was nice to see. I think he uh, I think he also popped a hamstring, which is uh, unfortunate for him. But, you know, he did. Sadly, he did win the Heisman. Uh, but that's whatever. Yeah, we don't need to spend a ton of time talking about Caleb Williams. But uh, all right, let's chat real quickly. Um, you know, like we said, um, Notre Dame ended up losing their finale in Los Angeles. I think the final was thirty-eight twenty-seven. So tough loss for the Irish. Um, playing catch up pretty much the whole night. Um, you know, the first drive that the Irish got the ball to start the game went three and out. USC went down and quickly scored, um, and then Notre Dame I think was ended up being down ten nothing, and then ended up scoring and. Just could never really get it close. They had a drive to start the second half where we were down by 10. We could have put it to within three, and we fumbled the ball at first and first and 10, I think, on the 30. And it was over from there because USC went down and scored, and then the Irish. It was just – it was really hard. It was really hard for the Irish to stop USC. So any quick thoughts on that game, Crater? I can talk a little bit about it as well. But what were kind of your overall thoughts? I think we all thought that the Irish offensive line was going to look a little bit better than what they did. But, uh, yeah, I would love to hear just your final opinions on that USC matchup. Yeah, I guess I thought that Drew Pine's first half um, was pretty pedestrian. In the second half, Drew Pine looked kind of all-world. You know, he was like Jack Cohn, first half Oklahoma State type good. Um, you know, other than that one fumble, throwing the ball around the yard in the tough spots, he also had a late pick. You know, I think Tommy Reese had a pretty poor game plan in the first half. I mean, it's very clear when you watch the Utah game that there was an opportunity for Notre Dame to really capitalize on what was a pretty weak USC defense. And for whatever reason... 
I think our offense just continued to play into their hands over and over and over again. Rather than out-scheming them, they just said, hey, I think we're going to be better than you. Uh, and USC has too many athletes, right? They have too many athletes on the field that we couldn't just run it down their throat. I do agree that, you know, that first drive um, of the second half with a fumble by Pine really set the whole tone for things. I think, you know, we score there. Maybe it gives the offense and the defense some momentum. Uh, instead, give up the ball, and then they go down and score again, and now we're down 17. So um, I will say Drew Pine made a number of great throws in the second half. And there were a lot of wide open wide receivers also. Um, so it was kind of in some ways heartening to see that there was, in fact, a vertical passing game feature to the offense because it looked pretty nice. Um, you know, probably disappointed with the defense. I think, Drew, you and I were live tweeting the number of holds that, uh, that USC got away with in that game. And that certainly had a big impact on Caleb Williams' ability to literally run forever. Um, so, you know, all in disappointing, but. At the same time, you can look at that game and say, yeah, that's kind of what the Irish deserve. You know, 8-4 season, they were good some games, like Clemson, and other games they just didn't quite have it. You know, and I think this was one of those games where they didn't quite have it, despite some great individual individual moments. Yeah, it was it was tough to watch. I think I, I, I agree with everything you said there. Um, you know, a couple quick thoughts and, and follow-ups on it. Yeah, I mean, if I think if we would have seen the Irish that we saw against Clemson, my gosh, I think that we, we would have all been happy. You know, that the Irish came out against Clemson. They were gang-tackling on defense. The offensive line was dominating. You know, Pine was making throws when he had to. It just didn't seem like the same Irish that we saw in that game. Now, I agree, you're not expecting to see those guys every game, but it did kind of revert back to some of the the poor stuff we saw earlier in the season. I think, you know, I was listening to some of the reports after the game. They talked a little about USC's line, D-line, either, you know, setting up differently before the snap or moving before the snap or going in on slants. And Notre Dame obviously not doing a good job of blocking that. That's unfortunate. But I think we all expected the offensive line to be at the point where they should be able to dominate in a game like that, especially against a USC run defense, which is not that good, and a team that the Irish should have bullied around. Um, I Yeah, Pine had probably his best game as a Notre Dame player. I think he had 50, at one point 15 passes in a row that he had uh, completed. He was obviously pressing when he threw that interception. There was a, you know, a chance for Notre Dame, same thing, to go down and score and bring the game closer, and he threw it, which was tough. Um, I think that the hard thing to watch, too, was just kind of this idea that it was this idea that Notre Dame had to score every time they got the ball. It was almost a given that Notre Dame wasn't going to stop USC, which is so frustrating to know that we just didn't have a defense that could go out and make the play. And not to say that that wasn't the defense, but it was just, you're right, it was whether it was second down or third down, you know, the Irish would force Caleb Williams into a tough situation, and he would just run around forever. And fully agree with you. I mean, the announcers were going bonkers over the fact of how much he ran around, but no one talked about literally I mean, if you watch any NFL game or any other college game, when a guy runs around for that long, just like wide receivers have the opportunity to get open, linemen are going to be holding at some point. So the fact that they didn't call more holds just was horrible. And in, in certain situations, if they call those holds, now you're talking all of a sudden it's second and 30 or second and 25 or third and 30. It's just that much harder for them to get a first down. And even when they were first forced to punt, it was in deep into Notre Dame territory, so they were able to do just kind of the Caleb Williams pooch punt. So Notre Dame really could never really get good field position. I think Notre Dame, for most of the night, started horribly from a field position standpoint. The, the kick returns were awful. They should have just they should just fair caught them all. But, yeah, it was it was just tough. I mean, once again, you want a, you want a team that the the inability to get a stop shouldn't be the, the end-all, be-all for your team. But I think, you well. know... 
remember that first the first offensive series there was a jump ball that Williams threw up the Xavier Watts like I he he like jumped and then was maybe like landed and then the ball went over his head I mean it was the most it was the most poorly mistimed jump I've seen it quite well I've seen out of a out of a, a D1 team anyway and, and ultimately like he gets that ball does it change the game like it was all those kinds of plays where Notre Dame needed to make a play. They needed to get Williams on the ground. They needed to make that pick. They needed to not fumble the ball. Like, like every single time there was a chance to make a winning play, Notre Dame didn't make it. You know, in some ways, it reminds me of the Stanford game that you and I both got to see, where five times Stanford put the ball on the ground, and none of the times did we actually go get the ball. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'll chalk it up to a loss. I didn't have high hopes for a win going into it, so it probably didn't disappoint me that much except that Caleb Williams was such an a-hole in the game that it made me want to beat him. Um, you know, his cockiness, his overall attitude, while he's a great player, it was off-putting to me to watch during the course of the game. Yeah, I agree. I think if, if you'd seen a Notre Dame player act like him, you would you would never you never would have heard the end of it from the announcers. It wouldn't be this bravado. It would be, oh, that guy's taunting or whatever it is. Yeah, he's, he's not a very likable player. Um, I'm excited that we get the chance to play him again at Notre Dame next year. Um, I hope it's five degrees and he's freezing um but yeah I, that that xavier watts man that was that was the first drive i mean that was an opportunity really for us to make a play and you know if he catches that ball he's got a chance to maybe run for a little bit too but it also we've all seen that caleb williams is a guy that feeds off of how well they're playing and if, if he, they get down he pouts and he goes and sits by himself so that would have been a great way to kind of just change the momentum and there was another play too i think it was the other drive where we held them to the field goal they did the flea flicker or the pass back to caleb williams and caleb williams actually had offensive pass interference to prevent watts from making the play but actually if i've watched the replay a couple times on that if the ball was actually thrown more in the spot like i think xavier watts actually would have had a really good chance to have a pick and he could have probably ran forever um so that was just unfortunate yeah addison had the one fumble that fell right back into his lap um you know that was a chance for the Irish. but then yeah of course Notre Dame fumbles and literally two usc guys are standing right there um yeah it just wasn't our night i agree it was it felt very similar to that stanford game we weren't getting any calls um nothing was bouncing right and just you know unfortunately in that situation in that game it just was a game where we couldn't afford for anything to not go our way and it just didn't so um yeah so finish the season eight and four um you know i think a lot of us were hoping this first marcus Freeman year we were looking at hopefully like a nine and three ten and two season obviously we had a lot of up and downs you know we had some great wins when you think of the clemson game you think of the north carolina game think of the syracuse game but just some perplexing and awful losses obviously the marshall and the sanford game coming to mind i think marshall actually finished year eight and four so not that that loss shouldn't happen and Notre Dame shouldn't win that game, but I think they're actually a little bit more respectable than most people thought. But the Stanford loss was just, you can, there's no way, no way to paint that one in another way. But uh, all right, so we're about now a year into the Marcus Freeman era. Um, actually, we're over a year because um, he got hired, obviously, around this time. Um, what are your overall general thoughts, Chris? Obviously, you know, looking at it from a, from a high-level view, obviously taking a look at the win-loss record, you know, how he connects to the players, how he motivates the players, obviously what he's done from a recruiting standpoint. What are kind of just your general thoughts and opinions on Marcus Freeman uh, one year into his position? Yeah, well, I mean, number one is I think by all accounts, he seems like a good guy, <laughs> you know, um, the kind of guy that you're kind of proud to have lead your program from an off-the-field perspective or persona, demeanor, connection to the players. Um you know, my wife thinks he's pretty hot also, so there's that. <laughs> I think most women do, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's pretty uh, sort of generating a lot of female fan interest. Uh, but I think that the way that I would I would catch it is just kind of uneven, right? Like moments of absolute brilliance, and then some head scratchers. You know, I think about going back to the Oklahoma State game post half. I think about um, you know this the near collapse against Navy, the game against Stanford. You know, there's just some head scratchers in the middle of some pretty pretty nice, you know, wins and, and great football. So I think it's uneven. I think he preaches this idea of what's the upward trajectory of the line. You know, it's going to be bumpy along the way, maybe some ups and downs, but are we continually making progress? Um, so do I think the Notre Dame season would have been better um, had we had a true, you know, QB1 back there? I think we're a different team if we have a true QB1 back there. Um, you know, Bookner for all his uh, hype, didn't really materialize, certainly not in the Marshall game. Um, Pine did okay, but he's serviceable, right? You know, he's not an elite quarterback. So I guess, like, when I look at Freeman as a coach, I think he's done a nice job. Uh, he made a great hire in Brian Mason on special teams, clearly, who turned us into a pass bl- a punt blocking machine. Um, so to me, it's it's kind of like in that he's not good at A because he had some like just awful, awful, uh, you know, losses. But he did a B, B-plus job overall. And I think, you know, as he learns how to be a head coach, hopefully some of that smooths out. Yeah, I agree. I think uneven is a great way to describe it. Um, I think that there's there was there were so many highs and lows to this season. Um, it was really, you know, a genuine, genuinely up and down kind of whole year format to the Irish you know some games were absolutely awesome some games were just absolutely brutal um but I do I will full-heartedly agree with your statement as it relates to the quarterback I mean I think you can see I mean I don't think that there's I don't think you, you can't convince me that USC is literally not a seven and five team if they don't have Caleb Williams as their quarterback I mean that is a team that was literally won games just because of their quarterback and I think that that's kind of proving itself out in the college football world I mean look at teams like Tennessee right Tennessee kind of came out of nowhere to have an awesome year why did they do it it's because they had an unreal quarterback who was playing at the highest level Uh, look at teams like you know Alabama look at teams like Ohio State Georgia obviously is a little bit different because they've got such an outstanding defense but even their starting quarterback he makes plays and he really does a good job Um, but I think you know to really to really do a good job in this day and age as it relates to college football is you have to have an accurate quarterback and you have to have someone that can move around in the pocket. And, you know, while Pine was accurate at times this year, he wasn't, wasn't the most accurate guy. He couldn't throw the ball deep at all. And he was not mobile. Um, so when you think about plays where it's the opportunity to extend a play, that almost never happened for Notre Dame. Pine could get out and run a little bit, but the most he was going to get you was six, seven, eight yards. Caleb Williams goes out and runs and he gets, you know, 15 yards, 30 yards. And he gets, you know, absolutely just makes everyone miss. So I think that, you know, I'm excited to see what can happen with Marcus Freeman, with the Marcus Freeman led team um, where he has a strong quarterback. Now that's on Marcus Freeman and that's on time where he's to bring that player in. Now is Buckner going to be that guy? Who knows? Maybe we might see some of that in the bowl game. Um, You know, Buckner played two games this year with really, really bad offensive line play. Um, But yeah, I, I like what Freeman's doing. I agree. He's 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 an absolutely likable guy. He's a guy that I think clearly gets Notre Dame. He's a guy that we all want to root for. I don't think, you know, while we all like Brian Kelly, he never kind of, I think, endeared himself to Notre Dame fan base, and I think Freeman's done that already within just one year of being a coach. Um, I think he connects really well. I think he's going to figure out the NIL thing, though. I mean, honestly, like, you look at a guy like Keon Keeley, you mentioned recruiting, going to Alabama today. 
um, Dylan Edwards decommit going to Colorado. By the way, Dylan Edwards is like a nobody running back. He decommits to go to Colorado. Of course, the world thinks he's like the best running back of all time because he decommitted from Notre Dame. Um, but I think that, you know, we've got to figure that out as a university, support him because other schools have got their NIL dialed in. You think about all the SEC schools and everything else. It's the way the game's being played now. And if we don't have enough upfront money to get these star recruits that they're being offered elsewhere, we're just not going to get as many of them going forward. And so, you know, that's what I worry about going forward for Marcus is the university can do the right thing by the way of adjusting to the rules or that the, you know, that are being used to play this game now. Sorry to interrupt you, Trevor. No, yeah, you're spot on. I think, you know, the NIL and the, trans- the new transfer rules are, it's changing the game of college football. I mean, we all, for those of us that pay attention to it, the portal opened, I think, a week ago on Monday. There's, I think, like close to 2,000 players in it. Um, so that's that's basically free agency for, for college football. Now, you know, the the big, like you said, the big-time programs that can offer the big NIL dollars, they're going to get a lot of those guys, and they're going to get those guys to commit, and they're going to get them to come. And Notre Dame does need to figure that out. They have to kind of get a process and get a plan in place that will offer these players an opportunity to come to Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's going to have to figure out a way to be you know, better on letting undergrad transfers in guys that maybe have a one year or two years under their belt at a college and Notre Dame wants that kid to come. They got to figure out a way. How can they get that kid in? You know, it's, it's different between a grad transfer, a grad transfer. Those guys probably can almost always get in because they're graduates. And so it's just a matter of getting them into, you know, whatever program or whatever they want to do at Notre Dame. So yeah, that's on Marcus Freeman to, to work across the administration and figure out that's on Jack Swarbrick. That's on, a lot of high-level folks in Notre Dame that get either paid a lot of money or people that have a lot of money that want to see Notre Dame do well. And I do hope that we continue to figure that out. Um, I still want us to be a school that that graduates players and a school that you know, you know, brings the right people in. But I do think you have the opportunity to take take chances on guys that maybe you normally didn't in the past um, because you know you're right. If you kind of don't get on this train. You're gonna absolutely miss the boat. So, um, but yeah, they, I mean, you're one down. I'm, you know, I'm still a huge fan of Marcus Freeman. I still think he's the right man for the job. I'm excited to see what we do in this bowl game. I'm excited to see how the recruiting class finishes off, and I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to how we can get the season off to a good start next year. I think next year's schedule, at least from an opening standpoint, allows us the chance to get, you know, a few games under our belt before the schedule gets a whole lot tougher. So I think that'll put us in a good spot, similar to that absolutely awful Michigan schedule that they had this year, you know, get a bunch of wins at the beginning and then, uh, and then try and take it from there. Um, I don't know. I, I always have a big guy on as a scheduling creator. What are kind of your just quick thoughts on Notre Dame and scheduling and how they do it? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think no matter when it comes, the Navy game is the worst, right? I mean, ultimately I think it's great to play the service academies, but it's always such a tough game for us. Um, you know, it's one that's hard to look forward to on the schedule, despite the tradition. You know, and speaking of tradition, I love some of the traditional matchups that we're able to get. You know, the USC game, you know, and, and um, you know, obviously wanting to maintain that. I love the idea that we're playing um, some of the other high-level teams again, you know. I like, the you know, playing Ohio State. I like playing a national schedule. But I think unlike some of the other schools that are smart about it, we don't schedule our easier games in and around the other games that are more difficult that I think we get stuck in a lot of back-to-backs, but it seems like every time Alabama has a big game, they're playing some school that is a, you know, FCS school right beforehand. It's like they're, Oh, we have a big game against Georgia. Let's play Furman the week before. Right. Yeah. So I think the administration's got to get smart about how to deal with this. Um, 
but by and large, like I actually like playing the ACC teams. Um, I think it's a good group for us to play at power five schools that have a decent reputation without necessarily having to get, um, you know, get, you know, travel too far as a team all over the country to play these games. So I like it generally. I feel like it's been a good fun schedule for us and a lot of variety. Uh, and I'm a big fan of the Shamrock series games as well. I like being able to go and play at Allegiant Stadium against the BYU. Like, you know, as a game that we didn't talk about this year, there was another great game going into it, especially was a, t- a test. And those are the kind of games that build reputation and notoriety for Notre Dame and also helps recruit players to the school to have a chance to play NFL stadiums um, or even Major League Baseball stadiums from time to time. Yeah, I agree. I, I love the Shamrock Series. I like the ACC matchups. Um, I've said it before. I'm not a huge fan of the Navy game as a whole, but you know I think we're we're doing it smartly next year, where the Navy game is the first game of the season, so you get that all the preparation and practice in for that to get the season off, and then you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the year. Uh, but I, I think in general, until these the big top teams get punished for opening their season with you know kind of three kind of general you know no name games at home i i think Notre Dame's got to kind of start to go down that path i just think that that gives you the chance to get your team geared up for the rest of the season get three wins under your belt get three home games in get younger players playing if you're breaking a new quarterback get that quarterback used to your system so i'd love to see the Notre Dame do that but i i mean I, I, don't, I don't see our schedule changing, but, um, you know, I mean, once again, we started off the season at Ohio State. I don't, like, I don't think one person picked us to win that game. We pretty much were guaranteeing that the season was going to start 0-1-1. Um, and then we all saw what happened in the Marshall game. So, uh, But that's, that's all that the schedule's talk is probably for, for down-the-line stuff. Um, all right, let's kind of get into our next subject, Crater. So talk to me a little bit about some of either your MVPs, some of the guys you thought played really, it doesn't have to be your MVP, but guys that you thought played really well this year. And then we can start to talk a little bit about as well, kind of some breakout players that we saw this year too. Well, you know, offensively, you know, starting there, I think, you know, you know everyone talks about Michael Mayer and how good he was. So, you know, a player who totally lived up the hype and was, was definitely robbed as it relates to being the best tight end in the country. Um, I don't think it was much of a contest, but clearly shows there's a bias towards the SEC generally when it comes to these things. Um, you know, I think offensively, um, some players that stood out besides Mayer, um, clearly on the line, we have Alton Fisher, who are both going to be good <laughs> next year as well for us. Um, had great years with Alt being named an All-American. Um, I think on the running back side, I was pretty intrigued by the way that they used all three. Um, I personally would like to see a little more Chris Tyree um, than they featured, um, but I thought all three running backs did a nice job this year. So all in, offensively, I think uh, the disappointment would be on the wide receiving core and over how much that's pine, but it just seems like either we couldn't get them open because our quarterback was was not the play wasn't up to snuff, or that these guys individually aren't able to get the separation they need to um, to make plays down the field. So, you know, all in offensive MVPs are on the line, you know, um, but I think we had some pretty strong running back play throughout the year. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm going to agree with you with pretty much everything. Um, I thought the line played, you know, once again well in a lot of respects. Um, guys like Alton Fisher had really good seasons. Like Patterson did a great job. I was actually pretty impressed with Zeke Corral for most of the year. I thought he kind of came around, at least from a center standpoint, and Lug was you know, probably a little bit better than what most people thought. I, once again, was a little disappointed they didn't show up in a couple of the big games this year. Um, running backs, I, I liked the rotation we were using. I thought Diggs ended up having a really good year after he kind of started off pretty slow. I thought Estime was, it, when he was healthy, he was he was a beast, and it was awesome and fun to watch him. Obviously, those fumbles, you know, the, the one against Stanford really cost us. The one against North Carolina, not really. Um, but, you know, if, as long as he's holding on the ball, he's, he's going to be a guy that obviously is going to get a lot of carries moving forward. I... I've always been a big fan of Tyree. I think they needed to figure out a way to get him the ball differently, whether that was in space or putting him in the slot or something else. Um, but I agree on the I agree on the the wide receivers underperforming. I do think a little bit had to do with Pine. Um, he would zero in on Mayer so much that the, I would imagine the off the half the wide receivers were so tired just running routes and they would never get looked at. Um, I like Jaden Thomas. I liked what we saw from him. Obviously, Tobias Mary had that one catch, which was the touchdown, um, but that was nice. Um, What's his name started coming on towards the end of the year? Uh, Deion Colsey, which is neat to see. Styles was a disappointment. You know, I think he just couldn't wrap his mind around what was going on on the offense. He had a few drops. He had a couple and, of drops too, didn't he? Yeah, he did have a bunch of drops. And I just, I, th- I think he was just got frustrated, right? Everyone was co- expecting him to have a breakout year, a guy that was going to have eight, 10 touchdowns this year. And I had barely caught any passes in the first few games, so I think he got frustrated. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Lindsey, lots of deep balls that, you know, weren't thrown to him. Um, but, yeah, I think got a lot of reinforcements coming in from a wide receiver perspective, but I, I think a lot of it had to do with the quarterback. I just think he had a quarterback that wasn't looking for them. Like I said, he zeroed in on Mayer. Now, Mayer, once again, I agree, one of the better players, you know, ever to come through Notre Dame, and he looked awesome, and he had a great year. So um, it won't take anything away from him. But I think, once again, I think our wide receiver struggles come down a lot to what the quarterback offers. And I think that that's why you're looking at a quarterback in the portal. Obviously, Drew Pine has put himself in the portal, but I think that's why Notre Dame is looking to get a high-quality uh, transfer coming in. All right, let's go to – oh, sorry, were you say something else, Crater? Well, I was going to say, like, I mean, Freeman told Pine, hey, we're going to look in the portal, Yeah. right? So, you know, he's like, hey, we're going to look around. Pine made his decision. Um, I was also going to point out, you know, to Lindsey's credit, he did make one of the more ridiculous catches of the year um, against Navy, which was absurd. Um, you know, and I think if I'm Lindsey, I'm pretty frustrated. And on your point about Chris Tyree, like, I just think getting him the ball out of the backfield on the passes, you know, I think, you know, using him to get into space was just a missed opportunity uh, consistently. I mean, that guy should be getting a couple of screen passes a game um, and just letting him run with the ball. It's an easy completion for Pine. He doesn't have to look over an offensive line that's going to knock his pass down, <laughs> or the de- defensive line, rather, that's going to bat down at least a one pass a game. Um, so, anyway, I just think that that's something for Tommy Reese to figure out, who, by the way, also probably in some ways regressed this year versus last. Yeah, I think I, I, I agree a lot on the on the Reese stuff. I think I feel like he had – I feel like we've all watched enough of the games where we're like – I just, I just got the sense that Reese made a lot of right calls in certain situations, and Pine just wasn't making the right play. And now, once again, that's on Reese to get him coached up and get him in the position to make those plays. And they just weren't being made. They just weren't being made. And maybe that's a, that's on Reese to make you know the the calls easier, the offense easier. It just seemed like there were. I mean, there was a one example in the USC game where I think it was third down and six or something like that on that first drive or second drive, and you know. Uh, Pine ended up scrambling and getting five yards, and we ended up being a little bit short. And then we went forward on fourth oh, yeah. one, didn't get it. But they showed the replay eight times. 
literally, if you had turned to his left on that third down play, Diggs was wide open for a screen. He probably would have ran for a touchdown, or at least he would have gotten the ball within the 10-yard line. I mean, it was – but he didn't even just look to his left. So the, the call was there. The play was there. And you just had a quarterback that I think just didn't fully grasp it. I, I give Pine a lot of credit. He came in and did a really good job in a lot of games. But I just think if we had a better quarterback, I think this offense was a lot more dynamic. I don't you, your your running backs wouldn't have run as much as they did, but your wide receivers would have gotten the ball a lot more. And I think teams would have had to game plan against an Irish you know offense that could actually throw the ball downfield. So yeah, I mean, I, and I think that that's why, like you said, that's why they said to Pine, "Hey, we're going in the portal," and that's why he said, uh, "I'm out of here." So all right, let's move to defense. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the guys you liked on defense um, and uh, guys that you maybe as well under impress you. Gosh, well, you know, I think obviously Morrison is somebody that everyone's going to watch going forward um, in the back half of the defense. He obviously had back-to-back games where he was just kind of all-world, you know. Um, you know, so that's a guy that, you know, from Notre Dame's perspective – Longtime fans know it's pretty rare that we get a true lockdown corner in the secondary. So, if we have somebody like like Morrison, who's who's you has obviously potential to be great, um, that's that's going to be awesome. I think overall, um, you know, I thought we were going to be stronger on the defensive line than we were. You know, I mean, Foskey had a number of sacks this year, and he was okay, um, but ultimately, I guess I expected more out of the defense than we got. You know, um, you know. I think we had a number of days where we tackled really, really well, <laughs> and other days we tackled just very, very poorly. Um, and Kaiser and Bertrand, in the in the from a from a linebacking perspective, had pretty good years. You know, Brandon Joseph had a lot more hype, um, perhaps, than he had actual delivery and execution. So, all in on the D, um, a solid group, but not an outstanding group. And then nobody you could look at over the course of the season and say, you know, that guy's just a difference maker, you know. And we were missing some of that spark, I thought, this year for someone to really take charge and lead that defense um, in a way that inspired the teammates to, to go along with them when maybe they weren't having their best game. Yeah, I, I the defensive line. I agree. They they were not up to where I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to be one of the absolute strengths of the team. And you know, like you said, Foskey had a great year, had a lot of sacks, but he wasn't the game record that I think we were all hoping that he would be on. You know, in every game, he had to have a, you know really really good games where you'd see a lot of him, and then you'd have some games where he'd be you wouldn't hear his name for a little bit. Um, you know, the Adam Ola brothers. I thought actually the the one that plays the defensive end, which I think is. That's Jason or Justin? Jason. I thought Jason had a better year than Justin. I thought Justin was going to be one of our best players. He had a great year last year as a defensive interior defensive lineman. I know he might have been hurt a little bit, but he didn't play as well as I thought he would. Now he still had a solid year. The guy that I'm relatively disappointed in is Riley Mills. I thought everyone was expecting him to have a really really good year, and he didn't do really a whole lot. I thought he was invisible in a lot of games. So I'm hoping that you know he figures it out this year and. and and maybe next year becomes like kind of that like all right like fourth and fifth year where he really kind of starts to show himself. But I thought a guy like Howard Cross had a really good year. I thought he was always making plays. Um, you know, I thought you know the the, the linebackers were. I thought they were hit or miss. I thought you know you saw some great games from Bertrand. I think the Clemson game was Bertrand was everywhere, which was awesome. Kaiser didn't play as much as I think a lot of us were thinking he would. They played Leafau a lot. Leafau. I'd say general overall disappointment. I was expecting huge things from him. I was expecting almost an All-American type season from him, and it kind of being a game record linebacker. He just 
tends to run into line a lot <laughs> his blitzes and just runs into guys um but you know i've also heard that you know his injury takes a little bit of time to recover so maybe that's kind of the same thing um i agree on morrison what a revelation he's gonna be a guy key teams are gonna have to count for moving forward i was a little disappointed in brandon joseph thought he'd be a little bit better um everyone liked what they saw from xavier watts i think he's primed to be a starter next year at safety um clarence lewis and cam hart um you know not the season i think we were all expecting great that cam hart's coming back i think he has another he wants to prove himself next year which would be great um but i think the other thing just from an overall general defensive standpoint kind of like what you said leadership and kind of at the end of the day like guys getting excited i just wanted to see us put teams away i mean the navy game is a perfect example you know we needed to get a couple of stops in that navy game we couldn't get it um early in the season when we needed turnovers we couldn't get it you know we didn't get our first turnover until like three or maybe four or five games in the season so i just would love to see the defense play with a little bit more abandon play with a little bit more you're not going to score on us right now we're going to we're going to shut this game down this game's over and it just didn't happen same thing in that cal game i mean even that cal game multiple chances to finish that game and it ended up coming down to a a a bomb at the end that 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 was felt barely incomplete so yeah i think you want to see a little bit more confidence i do think that i've said this before i think some of that is a structure of the offense when you have an offense that you know is going to score a lot or that's going to put up points and put them up quickly i think your defense plays looser i think they play faster and i think for a lot of the early parts of the season the defense couldn't play like that because they were they were worried about what the offense was going to do so i don't know anything else you want to add crater no i think you had it right like you know i just you want to see that emotional leader of the defense. And it just didn't seem to exist this year. You know, and I think, you know, who is that going to be going into next year is a big question. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is a chance maybe <laughs> everyone's favorite uh, super intense Jordan Batello. Maybe this bowl game is the game he comes out and starts to prove himself as a big leader. I want to see, obviously, more of Prince Kali. You know, what do we see from a Jalen Sneed? I think they got to get some of those young linebackers out there. But, yeah, maybe maybe this is a chance for some of those guys to come to the forefront. I'm sure they've done it in practice over the last you know week or so, and they've got a couple more practice, a couple more weeks of practice to prove themselves and really kind of put themselves – in position to be a big player, playmakers uh, in the, starting next year. Um, one thing I think we – oh, way, yeah. Well, by the way, real quick, uh, I'm a big Prince Collie fan. That dude's got wheels. And, like, he clearly is faster than every linebacker that we have. And so the question is going to be – I mean, obviously Sneed's up there too, but, like, he was just a difference maker. He watched that dude move. Like, my hope is certainly that they find a way to get him more reps next year because he's a stud. Yeah, I agree. I Kali and, and Snead, those guys have they've got to be playing a lot next year. Um, you know, we've got out the we've got Leah Fow, Kaiser and Bertrand all coming back. Um, guys that played a lot of snaps, so those guys are gonna have to make a move to get in front of those guys. But I agree, those guys are they're they're better athletes than the other guys, and they they should be out there playing. I think um, the last thing I was gonna say, Creator, I think the one thing that we both can agree on, and you highlighted it a little bit more uh, a little bit earlier, but special teams. What a what a what an awesome year for the special teams and Coach Brian Mason, and shows you what a difference a really good special team uh, coach can do. So, yeah, any quick thoughts on special teams? Yeah, I mean, as good as our punt block was, and I totally celebrate that. Our kickoff return game was equally as bad. Uh, <laughs> so I thought, by the way. Uh, you know, John Sott actually punted the ball pretty well for most of the year. Um, I thought he was he was at, he was really strong, so that was such a nice win. Um, so I think overall special teams was a big upgrade, and we changed games with the punt block this year. And by doing that, I think it forced other teams either to account for it, um, or alternatively, they had to like 
you know, run a different schemes and be worried about it. So I don't know. I thought I thought that was really uh, we've never done that in my history as a Notre Dame fan. Uh, been that good on special teams. So it felt like old Beamer ball days where he was blocking off punts uh, when he first came down to, to Virginia Tech. Yeah, it was fun to watch. It was it was neat to see the other team have the game plan specifically against Nordin Punt Black, which was you're right, something that hasn't happened ever in the past. Um, fully agree on the the kickoff return. Something needs to change there. Um, if 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 you're not getting if you're not getting it past the twenty five, there's no reason not to just fair catch it. So um, I don't know. A lot of speed coming in next year. It'll be interesting to see if they move some different guys around from a kick return standpoint. Um, I thought John Sp- John Sott was great. Um, I think he's a guy that could possibly maybe even win that Ray Guy Award. He had just had a great senior season, um, or his one season at Notre Dame. Um, field goal kicking obviously was hit or miss. I feel like that's been the case for the last couple of years, um, but. You know, the name of the game is really going and scoring touchdowns. So, you know, I mean, that is what it is. But, yeah, it's it's, it's just nice to have a special teams that I think we can all rely on. And if they can figure out the kick return, um, that'll just be even better next year. All right, moving on, just a couple more topics we wanted to cover tonight. Um, I'm going to cover off on uh, – let's cover off on recruiting here for a little bit. And when I say recruiting, I'm also going to include now because we are talking transfers and the portal and NIL. Um, some news that came out tonight: Kane Barong has entered himself in the portal, so our backup tight end is is moving on. I don't think that I don't think that's a huge surprise. He's been injured a lot. Um, he's probably going to be behind a couple guys on the depth chart next year. Um, but you know, he was going to probably plan to play in the bowl game, so he's not going to play that anymore. Um, so he's moved on. Obviously, Drew Pines moved on. Um, Iquanu, our outside linebacker, has put himself in the portal. Um, Mayer's not playing in the bowl game. Foskey's not playing in it. I think Patterson is. Brandon Joseph is playing. Um, it sounds like the Adam Miola brother, um, he's kind of a still hasn't made his decision. Um, hopefully he does play from a defensive line perspective. Uh, but from a recruiting standpoint, as you said, we did lo- we did lose Dylan Edwards. I was I was a little bummed. That guy's a, he's a super scat back. He's super quick. I was kind of excited to see what he could do in the Irish. Um, but yeah, he's going to go play for Deion Sanders and. He'll probably be their number one player next year because that team is so bad. So you know, he's going to plays where he's going to play a lot. Um, but yeah, what are your what are your kind of overall thoughts on recruiting, Crater? We're about uh, nine days away from signing day. The initial one starts next week on Wednesday. Notre Dame's class, I think, is is for all across all the different services is a general top five class right now. I think as high as three across some of them. Um, what are your thoughts on recruiting? Um, I don't know. I forget. I don't, even, I don't know how much you follow it or, or what your general thoughts on it. But yeah, what what do you want to see the Irish accomplish in recruiting uh, over these next ten days? Yeah, hold on. I was making sure I was on mute there. Dude. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think you know. Look, thin is strong. Keep the recruits in the barn, right? I mean, a lot can happen between now and then. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've seen that. You know, so. You know, the thing that Notre Dame did this year was they got a lot of really early recruits. You know, you think about it like they really were cleaning up and did really, really well for a while. We had the um, the number one class um, in the country for some time, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, we have um, a couple of interesting things that that are that are as part of this class. Like number one, we uh, with with Bowen, we have a, a defensive back who. Um, potentially can be a superstar. I mean, I can't remember the last time Notre Dame had a five-star defensive back. That'd be like Cole Luke or something or somebody like that back in the day. Well, Hamilton, I think Hamilton, I think eventually became a five-star, but he, but yeah. yeah, but he wasn't. He was like I think when Notre Dame got him to commit, he was like a three-star. He became a five-star eventually. But you're right. I don't think. Yeah, sorry, you're right. Yeah. And then uh, Drake Bowen, the linebacker group, just won the high school Butkus um, as well, which is a great sign. So I think if you look at the class. 
you know, we filled in a lot of defensive back and wide receiver needs. I think losing Edwards as a running back does hurt us quite a bit. Um, it's also not a big class from kind of what I call a defensive line standpoint. So given that you know, there are no like game breaking defensive linemen um, who are you know obviously part of this class, you know, you think about the uh, Stefan to it, uh, you know, type mold. We don't have anybody like that coming in. Um, so I just think that it's a good skill position class, um, good at the speed positions, but I don't know if it's the strongest line class that we've had. And, and certainly, you know, I, I don't understand the composition of the team the way the coach does, but it means me to think that out of the transfer portal, we're going to be looking for a few guys to make a difference either uh, on the pass rush on the front end or potentially uh, on the O-line just to back up um, the folks that we have uh, that are starting. Yeah, I think it's. I think from an overall standpoint, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I think you you mentioned Peyton Bowen. Now that's gonna be a question whether or not Notre Dame can hang on to him. He's a safety, five star. Oklahoma's coming at him really hard, so that'll be interesting to see what happens there over these next. Really hard, you mean trying to offer him a shit ton of money? <laughs> exactly. Well, and I guess he's got a girlfriend who's going to Oklahoma to play soccer. So, and his best friend, who's the quarterback on his high school team, is going to be the quarterback at Oklahoma. So he's got a lot of things pushing him to Oklahoma. I will say, I would not be shocked one bit if he ended up signing with Oklahoma. He hasn't decommitted from Notre Dame. He's been committed to Notre Dame for almost a year now. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of like of the opinion. Listen, if you don't want to go to Notre Dame, decommit. But if you're going to stay committed, then you should probably at the end of the day sign. But that's that's probably an archaic look at uh recruiting um but i agree lots of skill talent um you know got a great running back in uh in love coming in from st louis they've got four good wide receivers coming in which they needed to do they need to get at least four wide receivers in this class the offensive line you know there's probably i think one guy that everyone points to charles jagasa um who's probably a really really good player a guy that could, i don't know if he'll come in and play right away but a guy that i think a lot of people are pretty high on Got the quarterback in Kenny Minchie, um, who was committed to Pitt for a long time, so that's a good pickup. I think he's gonna he's gonna be someone that definitely is gonna challenge down the line. He's a four star. Um, I love the Bowen linebacker that they got from Indiana. He actually won the Buckus Award. So we've got Kali who won the Buckus Award. I don't did did Jalen Sneed win the Buckus Award in high school too? I forget. Do you remember? Yeah, I don't remember. But the other guy who's in there who's gonna be a stud is uh, James, a wide receiver, big body, six four. Yeah. Um, love to see what he can do when he gets out there. So I think that would be uh, that's somebody I think is going to make a difference in the first, hopefully right away. Right? I mean, yeah. I'd love for someone to challenge the wide receivers we have and make them all better. Yeah, they've got they've got three wide receivers from Texas. All of them bring unique and different skill sets to the table, which is really cool. They've got a wide receiver from California. Um, I agree with you on the defensive line. They they were after a couple of big guys. Now they do have. Guys that I think tend to kind of be more, you know, defensive end type players or guys that are kind of more on the side players. Um, they need to get, they need to do a better job of getting those big, you know, kind of nose tackles that are, you know, 310 when they're coming into Notre Dame versus the guys they typically get that are 275 pounds and they got to put on a bunch of weight. But um, yeah, I think um, from an overall standpoint, it's, it's, a, it's a class that fills a lot of needs. And like you said, though, Crater, it's, there's a lot that can happen over these next 10 days and especially with the NIL and, you know, schools are going to be coming at all these guys, offering them a whole lot of money. Maybe they've never even seen that type of money before. And so, yeah, it could be really interesting over these next couple of days. So, Yeah. But, I mean, I like I love signing day. It feels like uh, it's kind of fun to know that those letters showed up. And I can't imagine that uh, as a coach, when you're sitting there just hoping those faxes show up, that's going to be pretty nerve-wracking. <laughs> you know, like, okay, am I actually going to get this thing? Um, but I like think the transfer portal, I mean – I don't know when that's all going to end and that madness changes. 
but the number of players who are transferring, I saw the list, it was just insane. And so I guess like, you know, I can't say I'm a big fan of that. Um, You know, I understand that the coaches leave and they change hands and, you know, why that could make an impact on a player. But, you know, I just think that it really confuses things. And ultimately, um, the idea of a college commitment doesn't mean what it meant to five years ago. It doesn't mean what it meant five years ago. Yeah, I think the the whole transfer portal, it's, it's going to change everything, right? Because you have to spend half your time now worrying about guys on your team, whether or not they feel like they're getting enough playing time. And you're going to have guys that probably after one year, they're going to bolt right away. I think that was who Bellamy, who was our defensive back. He was at Notre Dame for us basically a year. Now he's already gone, or maybe even half a year, he's gone. Um, so, yeah, you got to really kind of monitor kind of the health of your own team internally because these guys can leave in the, at the drop of that. I think – one of the questions I want to ask you, Crater, um, and because when we think about the portal and specifically Notre Dame, we've talked a lot about the Notre Dame going after Notre Dame going after quarterback. Um, I'm going to name five guys here for you, um, and I want to get either your general thoughts or kind of your quick opinions on if you have if you have if you had your choice of guys Notre Dame would be going after. Kind of give me your thoughts, and I'm actually super interested to hear your thoughts on Brennan Armstrong, uh, UVA quarterback, who's in in your in your neighborhood there. So I'm going to name five guys. Um, uh, Grayson McCall, who's the quarterback from uh, Coastal Carolina, just went in the portal today. Um, we just said Brendan Armstrong, UVA, is in the portal. You've got Hudson Card from Texas, who's in the portal. Devin Leary from North Carolina State in the portal. So those four are in the portal. And then the last guy is going to be – I completely forget his name, but he's the quarterback from Tulane. Do you remember his name? Mm, I don't, but you know, if you're asking me to like weigh in on these guys, like, man – I didn't see a lot of Coastal Carolina this year, but they certainly went backwards. But, man, last year McCall was a stud. You know, I liked watching him play. You know, I think that with Card, what you're going to get is a highly rated quarterback who went to Texas and then got beat out. So you wonder, like, okay, well, is this kid going to have a chip on his shoulder to get better? Or is he the kind of kid that really is maybe one of those kids that maybe wasn't (laughs) good to begin with and then left, you know? Yeah. So some ways I like knowing that who we're getting is, is a quarterback that actually we've seen play as opposed to a quarterback that we're still trying to figure out how good he is or isn't. Um, you know, so focusing on that, you know, Brennan Armstrong, you know, being here in Charlottesville, we know a lot about Brennan. Um, really nice player, uh, big-time competitor. Went backwards a lot this year changed offensive coordinators. Uh, Robert and I, who was a coordinator, went up to Syracuse, so that changed a lot of things. So as good as he was last year, he was as disappointing this year. So, you know, if you ask me to pick which way I go, like, you know, I I like Armstrong for the moxie, moxie and the grit, uh, card for the upside and the potential, um, and then McCall because that dude was a winner last year. You know, and I wonder, like, Coastal Carolina may not, you know, may not have had a great season, but that dude clearly was was a, was a, <laughs> overachieved a year ago. So, you know, I, I but Armstrong, if you get him, I think he'll be like a faster Jack Cone. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to kind of hear your thoughts on Armstrong. It's, I think it's exactly what you just said. It's kind of an it's it's such an interesting conundrum. And I just was looking up real quickly. The guy from Tulane, his name's Michael Pratt. Now he hasn't put his name in the portal, and 
they play in a, a New Year's Six Bowl. I think they actually play USC. Um, so he's not going to be deciding anytime you know soon. Probably not until January. I do think that some people think he's going to put his name in the portal, but um, yeah, it's 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 such a conundrum because a you've got even of those five guys are any a are any of those guys interested in Notre Dame, right? Are they they could be they could not be like right? So that's that's kind of the initial thing. Then B, uh, all right, of these five guys. Um, which one do you have a preference on? Do you have a preference on Hudson Card? Do you have a preference on Devin Leary? You know, all these guys. Now, each one of them have their pluses and minuses. Like you said, Hudson Card, you know, he started for Texas a little bit, but got beat out. You know, Grayson McCall, he, he, he's been good, but, you know, is he, has, has he reached his peak and he hasn't necessarily been playing the biggest competition? Um, you know, uh, the guy Devin Leary from North Carolina State had an awesome year the prior year. He was injured all of this past year, and he might not even be ready to go for a spring ball. Um, and then lastly, um, like you said, you talked about Brendan Armstrong. I, his year as a junior or two years ago was absolutely phenomenal. He, that offense was insane, but he, yeah, he just, he completely had just a really, really bad year this year. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who they go after. Obviously it's going to be a Reese and Freeman decision. Hopefully it's Freeman that makes the final call, but, um, I think at the end of the day, you just got to have someone that's got experience, you know, has played, enough so that you feel confident because the last thing you want to do is bring in a transfer and have that guy, I mean, get beat out or, or just be bad. That just wouldn't <laughs> what a waste. Well, so I, I will say that Virginia's offensive line is brutally bad. So given that situation and how Brandon Armstrong performed, um, will basically be on the run for an entire season. I don't think it would be bad there. He's a little undersized. Um, but in watching a lot of their games play, he didn't seem to have the same uh, batted ball problems that Pine did. Um, and his mobility changed the game. Um, so it wasn't elite mobility like a Caleb Williams, but it was good enough that it had to be respected. Yeah, I was. I mean, when we went to the game at UVA and we stayed with you guys, I was. He got hurt and didn't play that game, but I was nervous. If he played that game, I don't. I don't. I would not have been shocked if Notre Dame had lost that game just because he was so good. He just was like, I remember you, you and I were, I think we were texting during that, that UVA BYU game where it was the score like 42 to 35 at halftime. Like he'd had like, he had like five or six touchdown passes in the first half. He was absolutely insane. So, um, all right, well, I guess we'll see what happens. That'll probably all get sorted out within the next month for sure. Um, all right, we've got about five minutes left here from a recording standpoint. Um, give me your quick thoughts on, on South Carolina. What do you know about them, Crater? What are you expecting, and what do you want to see from the Irish in this game? Yeah, I don't know a lot about them, you know. Um, you know, it's always this dangerous, you know, bowl game situation. I mean, South Carolina – um, you know, they kind of had the one, again, like the season where they got written off a little bit. <laughs> they started out a little bit slow, but they ended up winning a number of big games down the stretch. Um, and that got them in contention for the Gator Bowl. You know, ultimately they beat, um, they, they absolutely destroyed Texas A&M uh, at home. Um, you know, they played, um, they played Clemson, Drew, is that right? Uh, yeah, they beat they beat Clemson at the uh, I think it was the last game of the season. If Clemson wins that game, Clemson probably and then if they win their bowl game. Clemson's in the playoff. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's something um, that would have been that's certainly something to be aware of. I just don't know how good they are. You know, ultimately it's kind of like the same problem that Notre Dame has. Are you going to run into the team that absolutely just destroyed other quality teams, or are you going to run into the team that just forgot to show up? 
Um, I, you know, I don't know, Drew. Do you know who their star players are? I mean, who who, who do we have to watch out for? So, I mean, their quarterback Spencer Rattler, who was the old Oklahoma quarterback. So it's kind of funny. We're finishing our season with the two most recent quarterbacks from Oklahoma. They both transferred out at the end of last year. Um, he was he was he's been garbage literally until their last two games or their last three or four games. You know, where he he absolutely destroyed Tennessee. I think he threw for six touchdown passes, and then he played pretty well against Clemson. So he's playing absolutely absolutely great. Um, what I have seen is that they've they have lost a bunch of guys to the portal. They've had a lot of guys opt out, so they're missing. They're going to miss a, a lot of their top guys. They're missing a defensive lineman. I think they're missing a running back. I guess they have a pretty good wide receiver who might have been all SEC um, special teams. Uh, you brought up Beamer Ball earlier, and U.S. or South Carolina's head coach is Frank Beamer or Beamer's son, Shane Beamer. So Frank Beamer's son. They actually U.S. or South Carolina has the number one special teams in the country. They've blocked. One less punt than Notre Dame, um, but I think they've blocked maybe a couple of field goals, so they're getting really good on from a special teams perspective. I mean, it's the SEC, right? They're going to have athletes. Um, they're going to have guys that can play on the outside, guys that can move in space. I think it all comes down to whether or not um, Rattler is, is playing up to where he's been playing for these last few weeks. If he is, it's going to be tough because he's a guy that can run. He's got an arm. He's got a cannon. It's going to be a lot of kind of what we saw against against Southern Cal. Um, they they are not good at running the football, and they are not good at stopping the run. So Notre Dame should be able to run the ball against them. I thought we all thought that would be the case against USC, and that didn't happen. Um, and Notre Dame should they should be passing a lot because they can't run. So I mean, it's a game Notre Dame should win. They probably have the overall. They they have the better overall team. But as I've said, you can't stop. Not that you can't stop, but if you have a really dynamic quarterback. That can win game. That wins games for you, and it just you know we can see these things get out of hand quickly. Like no one expected Tennessee to lose to South Carolina, and, and South Carolina put up sixty two points against them. So yeah, yeah. I think the the other thing that's an X factor in this is how's the offense change with a different quarterback, right? So no Pine, you play him the whole year. Um, you know Buckner, like obviously he'll be pumped up if it is him playing out there, but if it's not him playing, right? If it's the freshman. Um, what does that do to the Notre Dame game plan and how's this all going to work? So, you know, with Buckner in there, you can expect, you know, that they're going to run the football a little bit more. He's a threat to run the football in a way that Pine never would be, which then forces South Carolina to maybe adjust a little bit. But, you know, I feel like uh, this will be the, the, this quarterback position will be the big wild card for Notre Dame in terms of who's playing. And that may have been a bigger impact on the game than than even the quarterback for Carolina and his play. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited. It sounds like from all the reports, it sounds like Buckner's probably going to be getting the start. Um, and, yeah, let, I mean, let's see what he can do. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, him playing now with an offensive line that's a lot better than what it was at the beginning of the season. So he obviously won't have Michael Mayer to kind of bail him out on plays, um, but this is going to be an opportunity for him to showcase his skills. And, you know, one, like you said, the ability for us to have a, a quarterback that can run, you know, it's going to make that, you know, we're going to we're gonna do a lot, of, hopefully a lot of RPOs. It's it's not going to be when Pine was handing the ball off, and like, oh, is he going to keep it and run on the corners and keep it and throw? Pine always gave it to the guy. Now Buckner can keep it. Buckner can run with it. Buckner can throw. But, yeah, he hasn't played football in three months, so how rusty is he? And, you know, if he doesn't look good, does Angeli come in? And, you know, or if, if Buckner isn't ready to go, Angeli's going to get the start. So, yeah, it's going to be – Totally different offense. I do think Notre Dame will have to rely on their running game a lot. Um, and, you know, once again, it should be a game they can win. Um, but, you know, these bowl games, especially these these ones that typically don't mean anything, I think any team can win. So it'd be great to go out on a win. It'd be great to finish the season on a winning note. Yeah, I mean, 
you'd love to go out there and have this bowl game it could be like the old LSU. It, you want it's like the LSU games that we played. Yeah. There was the get destroyed by Jamarcus Russell game, right? And then there's the um, oh gosh, I mean, forget the guy's name. You know, I'm talking about the guy who we threw like the first first series 75 yard touchdown play. Uh, went and played for the Ravens for a little bit. What's his name? Um, wide receiver on LSU. No, for no, no, for Notre Dame. Oh, uh, Miles Boykin, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So basically, like, you know, are we going to have the Jamarcus Russell game or the Boykin game? Yeah. I guess we'll have to figure out when we get there. Yeah, I think I agree. We, we, we do not fare well against good teams in the big balls, but in these, you know, the better teams in some of these smaller roles, we do, we do a pretty good job. So, all right, well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Um, we're almost at the time here. So um, I'm going to definitely be coming back to you guys live next week uh, following signing day. So be on the lookout for an episode probably either that Wednesday night or that Thursday, just kind of highlighting all the Notre Dame signings and everything that we did there. Um, and we'll definitely have – I don't know if we'll probably want to have a pregame for the bull game, but definitely have kind of what maybe one more one more episode to end the season and look at how the, the Irish did in that bull game. But uh, – Crater, thanks obviously always for joining. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, one of the last words. Uh, what are some of your parting thoughts uh, for the for the end of the podcast? Drew, I can't believe there have been 47 of these, uh, which is pretty amazing. So go, Drew. Um, thanks for letting me be a guest again this year, a couple times even. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, watching the Notre Dame play in the Gator Bowl, which I think, by the way, is a decent bowl for us. You know, at the end of the day, we should have been a ten and two team and not an eight and a four team with two bad losses, Marshall and Stanford, that we could have back. You know, and and so it's been a fun, a you know, decently fun season. Excited to watch them. Um, and everyone who's listened to the podcast, big prayers for Drew's nephew, and uh, you know, go Irish. Uh, thanks, Crater. Appreciate that. Yeah. Big big shout out and big love to to, to nephew Nolan. Um, all right, folks, that's going to do it for uh, the Exit Seventy Seven podcast this week. I'm your host Drew Brennan. Uh, we are joined by a special guest and great friend Chris Crater. Um, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Exit Seventy Seven underscore Podcast. Um, feel free to hit me up there for questions, and as well, feel free to text me questions or give me any of your thoughts. But uh, let's get a big win in uh, in a couple of weeks. Let's finish off recruiting right, and as always, go Irish.